as we walk through Psalm 148 together. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all you shining stars. Praise Him, you highest heavens and you waters above the heavens. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all deeps, fire and hail, snow and mist, stormy wind fulfilling his word. Kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His majesty is above earth and heaven. He has raised up a horn for his people, praise for all his saints, for the people of Israel who are near to him. Praise the Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. And the Lord be with you. Let us pray. Almighty God, grant that we who have celebrated the Lord's resurrection may by your grace confess in our life and conversation that Jesus is Lord and God through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our first reading during this season of Easter is from Acts, and all of the first readings during the season of Easter are from Acts as we take a step away from the Old Testament and see the development of the early church in this account. So from Acts chapter 5. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. And the God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. We are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. And when they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel A teacher of the law, held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. And he said to them, Men of Israel, take care what you are about to do with these men. For before these days, Theodos rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him. He was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean rose up in days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice 
And when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Christ is Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Our epistle reading from Peter's letter in the first chapter. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him. And rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is the word of the Lord. I invite you to rise as you are able in honor of the gospel. From John's gospel in the 20th chapter. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hand. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, My Lord, and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the gospel of our Lord. You may be seated. As it's Easter season, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. 
Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, you gather us together into your presence once again. We pray that you work by your Spirit to remove distractions from our hearts and minds and open our ears to hear your word of life and forgiveness for us in Jesus. Last week, Mary Magdalene, we had read, was at the tomb, there with the stone rolled away, seeing the angels on the inside, and John and Peter ran there, seeing the same thing, leaving bewildered. Not really sure what to think of the whole thing. They knew Jesus wasn't where they expected him to be, and now they had no idea what to make of it. Doesn't make sense to us. Here they were, the guys that had heard Jesus for the last three years saying, okay, look, I'm going to die, and on the third day, I'm going to rise from the dead. And they leave the empty tomb and go, I wonder where he's at. But then Mary, there at the tomb, turning around and seeing someone she's supposed to be a gardener, right? Says, please, if you've taken his body, just let me know where it's at. I'm not going to get mad at you. You're not going to get in trouble. Just... Let me know so that I can take it and honor this beloved friend, our Lord. With a simple word, her name, Mary, eyes open to see who this one is, to see Jesus. She runs back to the disciples who are gathered together in one way or another at the house, and she says, I have seen the Lord. And they went, no, right? And so that's when they ran back to the tomb. And then spread around all over the place, only to gather back together again that night. You can imagine gathering together there for the evening meal, getting back together, all of them afraid because their leader, their teacher, had just been crucified, buried, and now is missing, and they have no idea what to do with it. And so gathering together out of fear of consequences and everything else, they sit within a house with shutters, closed doors, locked with only this one word from Mary still. I have seen the Lord. And they went, "Uh uh-huh, sure. But we haven't. So they're afraid. In the middle of that very fear, Jesus shows up. And all of the brokenness of their understanding and all of the misguided thoughts and ponderings of whatever they had going on, he shows up with a very important first word, shalom, peace, wholeness, everything's complete, be with you. Look, I've made it all right. You're good before the Father now. Everything is whole once again. You're together, I'm with you. You're good before God because your sins are forgiven. You're all set. Peace be with you. A beautiful word. And other accounts of that, some of his first words are, stop freaking out. Peace be with you, right? What a calming word to hear in the middle of such disorder of things. And then some of the words that scare me the most actually are his next ones. Even as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Wait a minute. <laughs> You just went to the cross, Jesus. (laughs) Is that where you're sending us? And in some conversations, he would say, yeah. The road's going to be rough. 
going to be hard. It's not going to be easy. But I'm going to give you something in the middle of all of that. Receive the Holy Spirit as I breathe upon you. The very breath that brought creation all together, that brought everything into existence. The very words that were spoken when there was nothingness to bring everything into somethingness. And there Jesus is saying, peace be with you. Receive the Holy Spirit. As you forgive people, they're forgiven. You withhold forgiveness, they won't be forgiven. See, that's what he's sending them out to do. Forgive people. To take that peace that he had given them and to take it out into the world. To take it out into all the other relationships. That's what they did. Because remember, Thomas wasn't with them immediately, right? So there... That very first day of the resurrection, Mary Magdalene sees the rest of the disciples except for Thomas were there in the evening, they see. And for whatever reason, they wait a whole week before trying to track down Thomas. I don't know if he was out on a walkabout. I don't know where he was going around the sea, but they finally get together with him. They go, oh, dude, Thomas, we have seen the Lord. And he goes, sure. I don't believe it. It's fine if you think you have. But unless I actually see him, I'm not going to believe. It's funny how much grief Thomas gets when the disciples all did the exact same thing the week before, right? They're all kind of in the same boat right there. But here's 11 of them showing up when ever, and more all together with Thomas. You can imagine the peer pressure there for just a second as he walks into that room and they're all there going, we've seen, we've seen, we've seen, we've seen. And he's like, whoa, 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 hold on. Give me a minute with this information, right? Now, you are not Thomas. You are baptized believers. God has given you faith to see the truth of Jesus without having ever seen him. So though you may not have rejected that proclamation of the risen Lord in exactly the same way, maybe some of you had at some point in life, but in this moment, you're here, gathered together around his word. Though you may not have that same rejection that Thomas had, his corrupted nature and sinfulness is just the same as ours. So what's hard to wrestle with and what's hard to wrap our heads around sometimes is though we will look and know that we believe, what does that ugly little beast of sin drive us to mistrust God for? Or what does it drive us to, what gifts of God does it drive us to abuse or take advantage of? What do we end up trusting in really? Do we end up trusting in something that's of our own understanding, our own reason, making our own decisions? For Thomas, he did not trust the very word of his friends that were proclaiming the good news of a risen Christ. He said, no, I'm going to trust my reason and empirical evidence. And unless you give me reason and empirical evidence, I will not believe. Okay. How about in the midst of our other trials that go on in life? What's hard for us to trust in? What things do we put above God, right? We go back to the first commandment. You should have no other gods before me. What does this mean? We should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. Okay, so when money's tight, 
And you've got to decide which bill to pay and which bills not to pay. Do we trust in God to lead and guide our decisions? Or do we go work harder to trust in the monies that we earn? Do we go do some other thing to try and make things right by our own strength? When we're sick and ailing. We've got to trust God's guidance to bring people around us who know how the bodies work in a better way. Doctors, nurses, all kinds of different means, right? To bring things in. But are we going to trust the advice from a couple of them or are we going to do our own Google search and try and figure out what ails us so that we can be our own doctors? There's a lot of things in life that come this way. Relationships get added in there as well. Are we going to trust our word and not listen to another? Or are we going to let God be in the middle of that to try and either heal where things are broken or to resurrect a relationship if it's that far off? Sometimes we just want to go by our own reason and, and run with things. Or do we take all the gifts of God that he gives us and then use them for our own pleasure and benefit without ever really sharing them. See, that sinfulness is the same as Thomas. It raises its head in different ways as we look to trust in different things besides God and his good word. But even in the middle of that sinfulness, even in the middle of Thomas's declaration for empirical evidence saying, unless he is here, I am not going to believe, Jesus shows up. Let's him wrestle with it, and then shows up and uses his very words and said, Thomas, you knew I wasn't right there in front of you when you said these words to the other guys, but here, grab, take your finger, put it right into my hand. Take your side, look, right here where the spear went in. Look at this. Come, touch, see, feel. I'm real, Thomas. I'm alive, Thomas. I'm physically present, Thomas, right in front of you. And Thomas didn't need any more of that at all. He just backed down and said, my Lord and my God. And then Jesus' beautiful words, right, Thomas? Do you believe me because you've seen me? Oh, man, blessed are all those that haven't seen me yet believed. That's you. That's you who has not seen the Lord with your eyes or has not felt his breath in conversation or been in his physical presence as a man right there in front of you, but yet you have believed. You have not needed to see him with your eyes, but you've been given faith to be able to see who this Lord is, to know that he is true, to know that the peaceful word that he brings is for you, so that in all of the brokenness of our situations, whether it's the relationships or the way we abuse the gifts or if it's the money things or if it's our sinfulness and not trusting, whatever those things are that we've lifted up above God's word, he says, that's broken and I bring you peace. I bring you completeness. I bring you wholeness that you are going to find nowhere else. My peace is your peace. And in that peace, I send you. Knowing that you're whole. Knowing that you're forgiven. Knowing that everything has been made right once again. That everything is right between creation and creator. That everything is in its proper place. In that wholeness and completeness, I send you. Go with my word and with my peace. What a beautiful word to carry along with us. 
And as John ends those verses with those beautiful words, there's so many more things that Jesus did that we didn't even write about. First off, I wanted to know what those were. (laughs) We'll get to hear those from Jesus himself. But there's so many more things that this man did that we're not even going to tell you about. But all the things that I did tell you about, these are the things that were done so that you would believe that Jesus is the Christ so that you would have life. And you're all there. That life is yours. It's been given to you in your baptism. It's held on to you ever since then. It hasn't let go of you at all. The peace that Jesus brought you between you and the Father remains yours now and into eternity. It is something that will not be stripped away from you. I mean, folks could hand it away, but then we're right back in the same situation we were before where Jesus walks back in and says, all right, well, I'm bringing you the peace again. That's why he gathers you together around his word as often as possible so that you would hear into your ears that Jesus has brought you peace, that he has made things right between you and God, that you are forgiven because of him. And then he says, as an exclamation point, I'm going to put myself into your hands so that you could walk away with you in me. Something like that, with me and you. What a beautiful gift that he gives to hand himself over to you to say, this bread is me for you. This wine is my blood shed for you so that you would know weekly and as much as possible that your sins are absolutely forgiven. Not just washed away once and then put upon your shoulders for you to figure out the rest, but washed away so that you'd be made right and then continually, regularly, constantly forgiven. That's the word that we get to share. Not just me, but all y'all get to share that word. That's the word that's given you as the priesthood of all believers. That's the word that's given you to share in your circles of life because I can only reach a certain amount of people when I talk to them, but my job is to encourage you as you go out into places and meet people that I will never see. But just as Jesus was sent by the Father to preach forgiveness into the world that was broken, he sends you to preach forgiveness into a world that's broken. That doesn't mean gather a whole bunch of people around you so that they would just see you and hear you. But that means when you see hurt in the world, speak peace. That means when you see things that are not right in the world, say, wait, whoa, pause. This isn't how things are supposed to be. Wait a minute, I bet God has a word for this. Oh, that's right. Words of forgiveness, words of reconciliation, words of healing. So in the peace that Jesus gave his disciples, that peace I speak to you. You are forgiven before the Father. Rejoice in that. Know that that's the same forgiveness that you get to bring into the world as well. Amen. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have given us peace through your Son, Jesus, and then send us out with your Spirit to speak that same peace into the world. We pray that you would continually strengthen us because there are so many things that want to quiet our words and we pray that you would give us loud voices declaring 
forgiveness as you have forgiven us in Christ, knowing that he has done it all. It is complete. In Jesus' name, amen. I invite you to rise as we